0: Welcome to Real Life Mentoring, where we explore real life issues to help you make an authentic difference in the world.
1: Hi, it's Chris and Christina again, and you're listening. You've jumped on to part two of Kimberly Lee's story. So if you haven't listened to part one, jump back and listen to part one. So Kimberly, thank you again for being with us.
2: Always honored.
1: Yeah, you're you're sitting in Tucson, Arizona. Don't you love technology? We can be looking at each other in Oklahoma and Tucson and then like this is going out to all all over the world. I think 42 different countries as of today. As of today? Yeah. Recently, yes. <laughs> recently. Praise God. <laughs> so that's really cool. So again, if you have already listened to Kimberly's story, we're going to jump into the day she's already alluded to the fact that Brian now is in heaven. But take us to that day, Kimberly, walk through what that day looked like. And just for the listener, we've prayed ahead of time that this story, you see God's fingerprints all over the story because it's his story. And so as Kimberly unpacks the events of this day, be looking for his fingerprints. So Kimberly, take us to the day.
2: So, I, I want to start off with something that Chris said earlier when we were praying is that I'm sharing my story not as you know, when somebody sees the car accident on the side of the road, it's really easy to just kind of slow down and gawk at the, the mess, the train wreck, and the what happened and what now, and all of that. And it's more about the curiosity. And my prayers of why I share my story is not to fulfill people's curiosity or, or literally give them how-to steps to get through tragedy or grief or to offer a solution or a shortcut around the grieving process. I share my story to testify to the relationship with Jesus, to testify to who he is and what he is doing and has done. I share um, my darkest pain, again, not for the curiosity or how-to, but to bring him the glory and this isn't the the glory of a cliche but the glory of an intense deep relationship that is available to all of us and it co- sometimes comes in our darkest times in the suffering so i just kind of wanted to you know open up about the why i share uh because this is a very painful memory and so lord just help In the height of COVID, you know, there was a couple of heights, but this was July of 2020. You know, when I'm a school teacher and when COVID shut the schools down, I was embarrassingly ecstatic because I had my husband home and my family home for the first time. You know, we had three teenagers and my husband's a pastor and it was just I loved it. We spent so much time together. I mean, I was scared and I knew I wasn't, it was not lighthearted, but we got to spend, you know, Mother's Day at home and a Father's Day and an Easter at home, which we'd never done in the 25 years of being married and being together. We did house projects that we hadn't touched for 15 years. We we played games. So, you know, I was again, like I said, embarrassed to how much I was enjoying just being with my family. And now I can look back on it as just another special treasure and gift that the Lord gave to me. Mm -hmm. But in July of 2020, we were working um, on the house and finishing my son's room that my son and Brian had just built. And it was a normal day. It was an everyday. Uh, Brian made hot dogs for lunch. And, and we were watching something on TV together. And then he went to go hang something in my son's room. And we were all home. Laken was actually going to a friend's house to visit her for her birthday. Uh, Lawson was playing video games with friends. Landon was in the room with Brian and I was standing at the door and could see the room and he went to go hang something. And my husband was 45 in pretty good shape. He did have type one diabetes, but uh, I don't know how much that played a part in it. And it was, it was under control. So it wasn't out of control. And he played sports and athletics his entire life. And he went to go hang something. And all of a sudden we heard a thud. He would stepped on a step stool, two steps up to hang up a simple picture. And um, I look back and I see him laying on the floor and there was a thud and um, I saw blood coming out from his head. So, of course, I'm alarmed because I thought, oh, he fell and cut his head. But as I entered into my son's room, I knew that there was something a little more serious going on. Uh, My husband's breathing had changed. Uh, He was definitely unresponsive. He wouldn't open his eyes. And I didn't know, no in my logical mind but in my spirit I knew this was not good my son my middle son was there obviously the kids heard the the other kids heard the thud and we all came there and um unfortunately uh there was a lot of blood um and we did call 911 and my, my son and I ministered CPR to Brian uh, But I knew now looking back on it then that he was dying in my arms. Although Uh, I didn't. Kimberly, let's
1: just remind the listener, how old are your kids at this point?
2: my, My kids at this time are 15, 17, and 19. And so we are all home watching this unfold. The horror, the helplessness, the uncertainty. Me as the mom, knowing but not. It was just. It was definitely not a scenario you would ever want anybody to walk through. I mean, especially because Brian uh, is the love of my life uh, and my best friend, and he was such a present dad. Um, this was this was hard, and so when the when the ambulance came to take him away. And I won't even go into the gory details because they're worse than you can imagine. Mm. Uh, i said something like, Hey guys, come say goodbye to your dad. And I remember my daughter screaming, don't say that. Mm. But yet I, I knew, but didn't, but I knew. And so that would be the last time my kids would ever see their dad physically Mm. because of COVID um, you know, we had a prayer visual. We had, over a hundred or so people coming and praying and singing songs. And, and um, you know, now I'm kind of in a, a bubble of, I would call it protection now, but I'm just not even knowing what is going on and praying. And um unfortunately the hospital called and said it was a catastrophic injury. He'd probably broken his stem when he fell and he was not going to make it through. And I had to go to the hospital, but we couldn't go in and see him. I was the only one. So my my kids had to say goodbye over um, the phone to their father. And so mm-hmm. that itself brings a whole kind of, of trauma. But I do honestly think some of it is protection because what was even in that emergency room, I don't know if my kids would have needed to see that either. So I, I say all of that to tell you that It was the worst, tragic, horrifying day of our lives, and there was no easy way to walk away from that hospital without Brian, without their dad, um, with such severe and profound loss. So that was, yeah. Let me
1: stop. Yeah. Yeah. You obviously were praying God let him live. Mm -hmm. When you walked away from the hospital and he had died, what's going on in your spirit?
2: I could not fathom, to be honest, I could not fathom the reality. I could not reconcile my brain. To a forever without Brian. I could not understand the a what next, or a a all I could feel was the profound and devastating loss of what I knew as my as his wife, and I could see what carrying what my kids were carrying as losing their dad. So I couldn't reconcile completely what was going on. I would literally say that I was under, again, a protection of him just leading me. You know, there's no there's no right move after that. You know, mm-hmm. I do know that when we all came home, we got all our beds and mattresses and everything. And we all came into one room and we slept there for about three weeks. I knew that God was calling us closer together. And, but to be able to say what was completely going on in my mind would be a little hard. But what I do know that I literally just kept asking God, okay, what's next? What's mm-hmm. next mm-hmm. from the small things like get up and brush your teeth. Okay. I can brush my teeth today. Uh, go to go check on landed okay, I can go check on Landon to the big things. No, we need, you know, when do we need to hold his funeral or celebration or life or whatever? So it was literally this this utter childlike dependence on the small things and the big things. And I just kept asking him, okay, Lord, now what? Mm -hmm. And it was, that part would have been a step-by-step process of how do I open my eyes? Just say my name. So I had to get into the habit of, okay, I can say your name to open my eyes. Because just even that, the thought of opening my eyes to this new reality, a world without my husband, was almost too painful. So the temptation to not was very strong. Sure. And I'd be like, Lord, what do you need me to do? I need you to open your eyes. Okay, I can do that. Lord, what do you need me to do? You know, um, and so I just almost baby, like was dependent on my steps
1: and talk about, we know it, but for the listener, talk about how God supported you. Let, let's just talk about pre-funeral, because I think anybody who's had a loss, like you're all, you're just, everybody's sort of going through the motion funeral happens, but did you feel supported by others? How were some ways that people supported you up to the funeral?
0: Could I interject I, something before yes. we, we yes. go there? So Brian was also an organ donor, which was a huge thing. Um, How did that, how did you reconcile that? So you, it's, it it happens instantly.
2: It happens instantly, Chris. I think, I think people don't realize how it happens instantly. The decision-making again, I want to just make sure everyone knows it was almost an outer body experience. But it wasn't that I was separated from God. I was just separated from my own emotion. But when I went in to say goodbye to Brian, I knew his spirit wasn't there. I knew. I wouldn't have been able to use those words then, but I knew. And they didn't even ask me about organ donation. I asked because if the spirit is gone, the body is left. And because the way my husband lived his life, he would want to serve one last time. And so when I asked them, it was within a five minute exchange. And again, outer body, but not separated from God. And I just said, hey, how can we go about donating organs? And they were caught off guard, but it was such this protection of, I knew he wasn't there. His spirit was gone. I wouldn't have been able to say those words, but, and I love how actually I, I I credit God in taking care of that because Brian's organ donation got to again, serve one last time in the most life-changing way. You know, a 20 year old got his liver and our daughter was about ready to turn 20 and a 65 year old grandpa got new lungs and, you know, hundreds, three kids got the heart valves and I mean, you know, skin and tissue. And I'm talking about this in joy now, but again, the decision-making of talking about the love of my life and the father of my children of, of his body was excruciating. It was so painful to even think about him in terms of being forever gone physically that it was by the grace of God that I was even willing to get through some of those conversations.
0: How much time passed from when he had the accident and you're standing at the hospital offering your husband's organs to be donated.
2: I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it was three hours.
0: That's, that's crazy on the surface to even try to comprehend.
2: It's unimaginable, but what I can say now, you know, it'll be almost three years in July. I can say now that's where God shows up is an yeah. unimaginable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's choices to be made of, and you don't even again, but who is he? And is he still good? And one of the things that, by again, the grace of God, I never doubted was that God is God and he's still good. I I never doubted that there, he was not going to show up. I never doubted he wasn't going to show up. I didn't understand. And I didn't, uh, I couldn't fathom the future, but because I know I've known him for 25 years and I, I, he was so gracious to constantly remind me of all the ways he had shown up in Brian and I's life and in my life those were the thoughts that I clung to that God is a God who says who he's going to do what he says he's going to do and so I chose to continually remember who who is he who did he say is what has he done already you know it wasn't like after I lost Brian God's gonna like they peace out. I'm done now. You're on your own. Mm -hmm. No, he says the exact opposite. He says, I promise to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort those who mourn. I promise to be there in the suffering. And I really, of course he did, but I really had to choose to go over, not just my powerful feelings and emotions because they couldn't be the ruler. Mm-hmm. If I were to go on my feelings, I would not continue on without Brian. Again, not suicidal, but not wanting to move forward in any way for a future without him.
1: That's so, right. I, yeah. I want to camp out is that um, we have a friend who says when bad things happen, she said, I, I made a determination long ago that when bad things happen, God's character is not on trial. And that's what I hear you that's saying. Right. Like you kept reminding yourself, God is still good. I didn't get what I prayed for. God is still good. My children are hurting. God is still good. So I, I I like how authentic and honest you are about, okay, I wasn't suicidal, but the thought of moving forward was not pretty. So what did you do? You wake up the the funeral, you know, it's a few weeks past your husband, your best friend, the kid's father, the kids are grieving. You're now the sole parent. What do you do?
2: You have a choice. I had a choice. To let the enemy use this to seek, kill, and destroy my family, which I understand why and how Mm -hmm. that. Or I choose to trust in my creator and see how he wanted me to walk through this. And, you know, I didn't make a commitment lightly to Jesus in 1995. And he, There was a choice that what did I believe and was I willing to live that out even in my darkest times? So again, my emotions and my feelings were so powerful and so desperate and so dark and such despair. You know, my life verses are Isaiah 61. And so I clung to those verses. And again, I don't want you to think that I walked around, you know, just quoting verses. I want to go back to the childlike faith of, okay, Lord, what do I do now?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Call and order pizza. Okay. What do I do now? It was literally just this kind of like a little child, a little girl reaching up and holding their father's hand, learning how to walk again. I didn't know how to walk without Brian. I, I didn't know how to move on, move forward. And I wouldn't have even used those words. And so It was literally taking my emotions and submitting and surrendering my thoughts and my feelings to the Lord and being like, What do I need to do now? And He continually, you know, to even open my eyes, I had to say His name three times, you know, Jesus, 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 or Lord, 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 or just to open my eyes because I would say, I would wake up and I'd be like, I'm not opening my eyes. He won't be near next to me. I can't do it. And He's like, but I can't. So just trust me. And so, all right, now my eyes are open. What do I need to do now? All right, this is what we're going to do. And it was just that, that constant conversation that seemed insane. Uh, You know, how much I talked to Brian and how much I talked to myself and how much I talked to God, even to this day, sometimes um, would be really interesting. And I remember the Lord just saying to me, Kimberly, I know you can't see it right now, but just keep remembering all the blessings and treasures of your life with Brian together. And I knew I had a choice. I had a choice. Did I want to focus on all that had lost? You know, like when the Israelites left Egypt, they kept focusing on all they had lost. Mm -hmm. Or did I want to focus on all the treasures and blessings that I had? And I chose to focus on the blessings and treasures and it was, and is a battle still. This is not a, oh, I made that choice and now it is over. It is a battle of who has the most influence in my mind, the enemy, Mm -hmm. me or God.
1: Mm -hmm. And And making those choices, even if you don't feel all warm and fuzzy, it's making the choices when you want to scream and yeah.
2: And shout and, and be in despair but I know that I have a hope and his name is Jesus. And so that hope is what got me up. And some days it was small and some days it was so powerful that I literally felt him comforting me to get to literally just lift me out of bed. And it was, it was just a, it was either I was going to surrender to the despair or I was gonna surrender to my Jesus. And again, I wasn't going around quoting Bible verses. I was holding the hand of my father to guide me through the darkness when I saw no way out.
1: I wanna interject something here for somebody who's listening and they go, yeah, I, I know Jesus, but I never heard him speak to me the way you're talking about. And so I want to unpack what you said about John 10, 10, where the thief comes, that's the enemy of our soul. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus then says, but I've come so you can have life to the full. And I think we would both say, We put our faith in Jesus, but we also trust Jesus's words when he says, hey, guys, when I go back to heaven, when my body returns to heaven, I'm sending you the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you into all truth. He will be your comforter. And so unpack what that looks like to the listener who's going, you know, I've never heard Jesus talk to me. You're You're actually referring to how the Holy, how you heard the Holy spirit and how his spirit communicated to your spirit. I think that's key for people. That's where we, the secret sauce lies in the relationship with the Holy spirit. So unpack that a little, if you would.
2: I can, uh, like you said, a little bit, because it's not about the steps, but it's really about a relationship. And it's so easy to say, oh, Kimberly must be a strong Christian, or she must be a strong woman. And I really want to take the focus off that in any way, shape, or form. I was in the depths of despair and darkness. Yes, my relationship was solid with Jesus beforehand, but our God is so big. Our God is so loving. Our Creator, He shows up in the impossible. And in in Psalms twenty nine, it talks about God is a God who speaks. His voice moves mountains. It's. Freeze. It tells the ocean they can only go so far. It, you know, so he does speak in a still small voice. And when you're with your, when you're honest, especially in the despairing moments, Lord, where are you? What do I need to know? He shows up. Mm. He shows up, especially in the times of despair. And so it's just trusting what you're hearing, anything good anything perfect anything that leads you uh to seek him more is from him so i've just especially now learned to hear his voice in his word also right of those promises you can know god by his names you can know god by his word and you can know god by his voice um and so that is those are the things i just and some days it was by the hair of my chinny chin chin that <laughs> I, I just clung to him. And some days it was only saying his name. Uh, only saying his name. That's all I could utter that day. Yeah.
1: i I'm glad you clarified that. Cause I think there, there could be some people out there going, "Why well, I don't understand what that means. So, and I love that you highlight, and I think anybody listening, we don't see you elevating you. I mean, this is, this is God's story. Like we talked about and, and the choices that you made and every choice. Yeah. It just highlights w- what God did in the middle of, of deep, deep loss and tragedy. But I love that you said you know, how he speaks. He's never going to say, oh, well, Kimberly, just drive drive off the side of the road. That's not God's voice. Yeah. Because that's the enemy's voice. He's going to come to kill, still and destroy. Chris, did you have a question?
0: I wrote a few things down and Mm -hmm. I trust you'll relate to these things. You mentioned the word despair. Yes. You haven't mentioned anger, but there had to been some anger at times. Is that fair to say or no?
2: So, you know, everybody's grief journey is very intimate. It's very personal. You know, they have the five steps or stages of grief. And I don't want to take away from any of that. It's just not how God really dealt with me on that. I um, you know, time is fluid in grief. Yeah. And, and in America, we don't actually do grief well. We want it to, you know, people are like, you need to distract yourselves. You need to find some comfort. You need to just go on and press forward and put your head down. And and I want to say the opposite of that. You know, someone said to me, and Chris, forgive me, but it was definitely a lot of pastors saying some cliche things. And again, I wasn't angry, but now that I see, look back, we just need to be really careful of what we say. You know, you know, 18 months or to. Two years is when you'll start, you know, feeling a little bit back to normal. Normal, that's, that is not a word that ever has fit again. You know, there wasn't time and there wasn't the stages. I, I got the books, I saw the back and they just, for me, they weren't very helpful. I know for others they were, but by the grace of God, I didn't go to anger per se. I just, I didn't, I am upset. He's not here. I'm upset that he is not here raising his finish, raising his children. And there's so many things that he is missing out on. And, you know, but I, I have also known that anger is not my friend and that emotion. When it rose up, I again, chose by the power of the Holy spirit to exchange any anger that was coming up to my God is still good. He is still with me. He promises to redeem my family. He promises to never leave or forsake me Lord exchange any of those thoughts To And mine was more of should have, could have, would have, what could I have done differently? What I should have done. Could I have done this? Could I have done that? But I, when I know that when I started going round and round about things, I might, could I have made a difference in saving him or doing this or doing that, the minute those come up, you feel despair again. So fear, despair, shame, guilt, those were all enemy talk. Huh. Those are things the enemy does to seek, kill, and destroy. So for me, that wasn't, anger wasn't the issue. It was should have, could have, would have.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. that I mean, we've known you a long time and God has reconnected us over the last what year and a half or so, but, um, but I bet you could sit down with another woman who's gone through this and she could tell you, I feel despair. Mm -hmm. I feel anger. I feel depression and hopelessness. Um, maybe she's leaning toward an addiction to deal with the pain, Uh, Mm a broken family, and i wrote down here hurtful choices are made when people are in the middle of that i trust you could relate very well and she could receive a lot of comfort from you and insight from god
2: there's a there's an enemy that roars like a lion and he roars really loud and loss i physically lost my husband through death but People have gone through loss with divorce, addiction, abandonment, betrayal. And the minute those things happen, loss is loss. My husband was unique, but my loss was not. We all experience loss, some of us very profoundly. The enemy comes like a lion and he roars and he will come to seek kill and destroy relationships, family, faith, everything around you. It was important for me to connect back to worship music. For the first month, I couldn't because it was too painful. But when I was able to, and I heard this Jeremy Riddle uh, song that said, the enemy comes like a lion, but it is fake because there is the Lion of Judah who roars the truth over our lives. And it was choosing to focus and fix my attention on the true lion and the lamb of the true lion of Judah. And his roar over my family is for everybody. And that roar is, I am El Shaddai. I am the God Almighty and I am the Redeemer and I redeem everything. And I refused to give in to the fake lion that was roaring, the fakeness of what he was offering. And it was a life of no hope and no future. And it was a life of constant sadness and despair. And it was a life that I absolutely chose that would not be the path for my family. And by the grace of God, we mm-hmm. all have that choice, which lion will you follow, which roar will be over your life because it's one or the other. And my prayer through this, any of my words is that the lion of Judah's roar will draw you close and close to him and that you will be aware of the schemes of the enemy because it is fake and it leads to more darkness.
0: There's two questions I want to ask with your experience. What would you say to people about their spouses, about their marriages? Is that too broad of a question?
2: No, the lion is roaring over your marriage now, whether your spouse is, you know, if your spouse is still there, you have a choice. What you is is going to speak over your marriage and it's either going to be the, the, the lion of Judah, which brings life, which brings joy, which brings peace, which will exchange all of the darkness. Or are you going to listen to the fake lion that's just prowling around, coming to seek, kill and destroy. And, and that is by giving into your own emotions and thoughts and feelings and demands and rights, which Jesus never modeled for us. So the lions are roaring. Which one are you following? Because there's no middle ground. There's no, but if you only knew what she did, if you only knew what she has done or is doing. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, but we have a lion of Judah, yeah.
0: Our, our connection uh, uh, halted for about five seconds. What's the last thing you said there? Do you remember? I said,
2: yeah, I do. Well, I'll just go back. You know, people would will like to say, well, you don't know what he's done or you don't know what she's done and what has gone on. And I know there's so much going on. The enemy has done a fine job In getting us to put self and emotions and feelings and our thoughts over what Jesus is saying. What his thoughts, what his feelings, what his will for our marriage is. And so there's a divine exchange waiting to happen. It all is who we choose to follow.
0: A second question, the last one for me is this. Help us understand how we can better support people as they are dealing with loss.
2: I'll go back to Christina's question earlier. I had an amazing team. I don't even know what else to call it, where they came and surrounded me and did things that were absurd. You know, I never had to go to a funeral home. I never had to make any of those decisions. I didn't put on the celebration of life. I had a few questions that I answered, but there was a lot of things they just asked the question and I just gave them the answer that I had on my heart at the time. And, you know, somebody wrote his obituary for me. And again, when I see someone, a very, very close friend who'd known us for a long time, she put it past me and it was great. They gave me words, you know, they, they, they did things for me that uh, it was beyond the casseroles, which are also good. It was beyond the meal cards. It was beyond <laughs> those things are all great, but it went above and beyond. And what is so amazing is that it is, a, it is a commandment to take care of widows and orphans. And not just the first year, because the second and third year have been just as hard, if not hard, because this is our reality now. It's standing the gap for what, when, when a spouse is not there for any reason. And we all can do our part. And you think, oh, is it awkward? Yep, it is. Oh, I don't know. Yep, you know. Oh, what should I do? Well, what is God asking you to do? Maybe it's taking them to a baseball game. Maybe it's taking them to a daddy-daughter dance. Maybe it's coming yard work. There's not a widow that I do not know that does not struggle with yard work. You don't have to have special talents to help pull weeds. You don't have to pray about taking out the trash. It is taking out the trash. It's helping hang uh, towel hooks. I've got towel hooks still that I do not know how to hang up. And I just don't want to you know, ask people, I had one, um, f- couple that paid for me to have, uh, my house cleaned by maids for mother's day. And which was, you know, I was a little embarrassed and it seemed weird. I'd never had a maid you <laughs> know, I live on pastor's salary, but to have the toilets and the showers cleaned was a gift that went beyond what I could have imagined. Mm. Uh, It was hanging up Christmas lights. Do you know how hard it is to hang up, helping put up a tree? I can't get a tree out of my storage. And yes, I have three teenagers, but they were dealing with their own stuff. They're all in school, you know, to rely on them to do, and they have been very helpful. But uh, one of the good gifts I would never have thought was someone gave me a gift of, um, like a HelloFresh or a green something that they, it's the meal kits that come to your home. I was all, what do you do with these meal kits? I don't know how to cook, what am I going to do? But what it did was it got us all in the kitchen uh, cooking together mm. because the nights and the weekends are deafening. They're mm. deafening. It's including people in your thing. So if you're going out to dinner um, as a couple, you know, nobody wants to invite the widow. You don't want to enter into that grief. I don't want to, have to minister to her. But you know how Fridays and Saturdays used to be the most amazing thing? And mm-hmm. have oh, gosh. Out? Yeah. And so it's stepping into the awkward. It is going and doing things that doesn't make sense, but is someone told me that when I got divorced, one of the greatest things a couple did for me is they let me sin- sit in between them during church. Hmm.
0: Really? Well,
2: yeah. Uh. I never thought that instead of always sitting on the outside. You know, a lot of times if it's a, if it's a a woman, who's a widow, you know, a married couple, the woman will reach out to them and they'll go do things, but you're not, you don't get to do things with other couples anymore because you're always the odd man out. Uh, It's, it's thinking about, you know, what am I good at? And could I share that with this family? Somebody took my son hunting. I obviously can't take him hunting. You know, Brian actually never did take him hunting, but he loved it. And he had a great time. That's what that guy could do. So that's what he did. It's being creative. Our God is a creative God. And he's asking all of us to pitch in for the long run, not just the first year. Mm. It's coming in, you know, decorating, helping decorate for, for Easter. I was having Easter at the house and they're like, what can I do? Oh, you can come and help do that. That's what she could do. And she did it. A friend did it fabulously. She put centerpieces on the table. That was amazing. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is.
1: Mm. I love that. I like uh, Chris just wrote down people just coming in and stepping into the awkward. Right. Yep. Just being Jesus. Jesus says that's true ministry, widows and orphans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to leave on this. We're recording this on May 3rd. And in a few weeks, you've got two major graduations, Lakin from college. And then your youngest son, Lawson from high school and Brian would have been right there sitting with you going babe we did it babe we made it how are you choosing life and choosing uh thankfulness uh choosing to remember all the good blessings as you enter this season
2: every victory the lord leads me in every triumph i believe it's um second Corinthians 2:14. thanks and triumph and victory in Christ and really we lost your audio and through us did you hear no yes. we lost oh, that's okay body. that's yeah. okay I'll go back um and I believe it's second Corinthians 2 14 where it says every thanks be to God to Christ in Every victory and triumph he leads us through. I've chosen to claim that verse, that every victory, whether it's, you know, getting the cleaning the toilet or making a dinner or going through a graduation when their dad should be there. Every victory that I listen and lean on the Lion of Judah, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, it says the Holy Spirit spirit, his fragrance, his offering is diffused wherever I go. So Mm. that is what I choose to cling to that. Everything we get through with Jesus is a victory. And I have a chance to testify what he has done and how he has showed up and how we have made it through and how I have held his hand and he has held my heart. And therefore my life will be a fragrant offering to Jesus. That is what I am choosing now, even though I am profoundly grieving and I'm profoundly sad and I miss him more than I ever have. And walking through some of these big things and the day-to-day stuff is excruciating on most days. I choose to be thankful for every victory and triumph that Christ leads me through so that my life will be a fragrant offering For his kingdom. Mm
1: -hmm. Gosh, amen. My goodness. We usually end by saying we hope that something you heard today will be a blessing to you, but we don't have to say that because we know that what you've heard today has been a blessing. And so, Kimberly, we honor you. (laughs) We honor Brian. Uh, We honor the story that God is still telling. We honor the beauty that we see um, in all three of your children because we see Brian's fingerprints <laughs> all over those three wonderful humans. And so uh, we know this wasn't um, yeah, probably not on your top list of things to do a few years ago, but man, oh man, God doesn't waste anything. And so we don't, uh, we don't carry your story and your openness and your authenticity mm. lightly. We carry it with privilege and honor. And I know that as people have listened, they are, they have been, they will be affected because if you've listened, you didn't hear Kimberly boasting on Kimberly. You heard her boasting on the God that she's committed to and on Jesus's capacity to do the the impossible. And so, man, are we so honored. Yeah that you gave us your time. Chris, anything else in closing? We
0: always appreciate comments um, that people make after listening to one of the episodes, but I would more than love to hear some comments after they listen to your story, Kimberly. Yeah. So please consider uh, making comments to this episode.
1: Yeah. So as always, thank you for listening. This has been Real Life Mentoring. Mm. Yeah. So we're so grateful, Kimberly, you took the time.
2: Much love. Much love and blessings to you guys.
1: We want to thank you as always for listening. If today was helpful, if something that you listened to was helpful, we would really love it if you would go to Apple or Spotify, leave us a review, download, subscribe, and for all things related to podcast, if you'd like to give a financial contribution to help us continuing bringing this sort of broadcasting to you, just go to FahrenheitMentoring.org.
0: Hi, this is Chris Corral, producer of the Fahrenheit Real Life Mentoring Podcast. This podcast is produced through a partnership with the Confetti Corral Boutique and Michelle Corral Realtor. To find out more about these businesses who support our vision and
2: ministry, go to confetticorral.com or find them on Facebook.